Welcome to another American Scouser podcast. Uh, if you listened earlier in the week, we had actually the podcast with the official sports club from Berlin. Uh, it was our first international pod. Uh, so we're staying with that international theme today, but not going as far. We're only going over to Canada. And today with us, we have Jim Hancock, uh, who is with the Ottawa Sporters Group. Uh, Jim, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Tim. It's, uh, I'm really excited about doing this. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, this will be our first of, I mean, most of the podcasts we've done have been always with official sporters clubs, uh, but we have kind of focused on helping groups such as yours uh, who are on the way to become official and looking to take the steps to become official. Uh, but before we talk more about like Ottawa and like the group, I kind of like want to talk about you first a little bit. Uh, like how long have you been a Liverpool fan and actually how long have you been in Ottawa itself? So I came to Ottawa in the spring of 2000. I'm originally from the East Coast, born and raised in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, a very small little town called Botwood, B-O-T-W-O-O-D. Uh, from there, um, I came to Ontario uh, to go to college. And that was like in the early 90s, mid-90s. Uh, college wasn't really doing it for me, I guess. So I decided to take a leap of faith, and I joined the uh, Royal Canadian Navy uh, in the spring of 1997. And then from there, um, ended up in Ottawa in 2000. Uh, so when did I become uh, a red, as they say, when I become a Liverpool fan? was probably closer to 2008, 2009. Um, I was growing up, I was into soccer footy more from an international perspective so i would watch like the big tournaments the world cup things along those lines that were getting a lot of attention on the channels that we had at home i wasn't really into club soccer i think the biggest reason i was just really intimidated by the number of teams the different leagues things that we were seeing very early in the morning on our local broadcast and whatnot uh, it wasn't till meeting a friend of mine in Ottawa, who was a big Liverpool fan, and he was just raving about Liverpool. He was raving about the atmosphere of watching a, a game, for, a match from Anfield, Steven Gerrard, uh, Fernando Torres, uh, and all this stuff. So uh, I took it upon myself, you know what, I, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to really watch some club soccer. Uh, the seed was planted to follow the Reds, and uh, yeah, so for the past 10, 11 years, I, I, I've been a, a pretty uh, diehard uh, Liverpool supporter. Awesome. I, actually, that's a good point. I never thought of that. It does come up a lot. It can get uh, to the regular, like, North America audience. This, you know, the soccer system in Europe can get really confusing. Uh, people like, get confused of, you know, playing a league game, playing a cup game, you know, the Champions League, but then they go to the national team. Like, they think, you know, Liverpool could potentially play Germany in the final or something. Right. Like that. Yes. So yes. It's a complex exactly. system. I never thought of that. I mean, I, always find myself like explaining it to newer fans but that's a good point that it is kind of uh, almost intimidating in a way like you put it i think so uh, yeah let me ask you this i mean because this is kind of like a new thing to me as well in terms of like canada i mean is it very similar uh to the u.s in terms of the interest for the sports and like the i guess the increase in the interest as well well well, I'll definitely say that the, the interest has increased. However, uh, especially in the bigger city centers like your Montreal's, Ottawa, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, there's a very diverse and eclectic cultural representation. So, you know, there are people from 
all over the world, whether it's, you know, European settlers to African to the Arab countries to like what, whatever. Um, so being a, such an international game, that interest was there and it's embedded really deep within the family histories. So at the grassroots level, that youth level, like it's huge. Um, I, I, I can't name the exact numbers, but I know for quite a number of years, and I believe it's the same way now, uh, the number of youth playing soccer in this country far exceeds the number of youth that play uh, hockey. And of course, you think of Canada. Canada's you know strongly connected with the, with the game of ice hockey. Uh, so some people are a little surprised at that. Um, I think where we lose—I shouldn't say we lose the interest um, from a viewer perspective—it it, it remains. But is that playing as they get older? And I think we're starting to see a shift. And a lot of it's happened since the influx of the uh, Major League Soccer, of MLS, especially with the success that uh, Toronto FC has had, where you're starting to see these teams really promote and support their academy programs. So these youths now have a place to go and play soccer outside of their high schools or their local clubs, like their recreational clubs as youth and stuff, that they can go and they can further develop their skills within their own communities or maybe have to travel or go or are now being recognized at the university level, the NCAA, and then can move on from there. And also I think what we've noticed over the past few years is from, a, from Canada soccer perspective, is that they're taking the time and the effort to invest in higher level coaching and not just looking at like specifically Canadian coaches, but dipping into uh, the international ranks. So for instance, when the Canadian national women's team hired John Herdman, there was such an improvement in the, in the skill level and the, and the tactical play and the systems that they were using. And then Canada soccer hopped on board as well and went a little further and said, okay, for our Canada soccer program, we are going to look to develop this system or maybe system A by system B. And then that way, these youth, male and female, who are now involved with Canada soccer at, you know, that U15, U16 and upwards, are getting used to playing the specific style of football. So when they do get up and can be promoted, say, to the uh, national men's, the senior men's, or the senior women's team, they're already engaged in that, and they're used, used to it, and they're familiar with it. And then as they become more successful, they're starting to draw more kids, more youth into playing soccer. Uh, if you look at examples from the women's side, uh, obviously Christine Sinclair, who is, like, up there with the world's best women's players, uh, you know, the all-time leading goal scorer for men and women, uh, for international soccer, is, you know, we, we've seen that, and that influence that she's had on that young generation is been more than obvious here. And now what we're starting to see on the men's side are these young stars coming through. With We have Alfonso Davis now playing in Bayern Munich, uh, Jonathan David, who is an Ottawa local kid, who's playing, I believe, with, uh, in one of the uh, Belgian teams with uh, Gent. Uh, it's been playing there. These names now are starting to become household names within the soccer community. And, and it's kind of exciting to see that now, these kids going around with these jerseys and stuff with these Canadian names on the back as opposed to just the Ronaldos and Messies and, and whoever else that you're going to see. And so that's interesting because I would think, um, I mean, it's similar to here, I guess, where, you, you know, in some ways I see like youth soccer. I mean, it is very big, but for some, the very like the beginner level is almost like a starter sport. 
and you see right. a lot of these kids afterwards, you know, like, because everybody acknowledges uh, that, you know, obviously you have to be very physically fit and active to be able to play this game. Uh, but yes. I know eventually, like, you know, people will start their kids and then some will branch off to like things like baseball and stuff like that. But you do see it increasing with the coaching and everything like that. Uh, yep. where the kids kind of like, like Canada, like staying in the program a lot longer. Yes. Uh, is cost an issue? Because I mean, I know, especially for here, uh, I mean, both my girls play soccer. One of them still does because uh, she's in high school now. And um, I know it is, even though, you know, travel, soccer and everything like that is pricey, uh, like Zlatan would say. Uh, but compared to hockey, it's nothing. Is that similar in Canada or because it's so much more popular, is the cost for hockey not as much? I, I think there's a big difference between the kids who are just going out to play, just the regular summer recreation, you know, I need to put my kid in something that's going to keep them active and out of trouble and things like this. I, I, from what I understand, so my son growing up played lacrosse played both indoor or box lacrosse, which is popular here in Canada, and field lacrosse as well. Um, so I don't have a – he never really played soccer. But talking with other parents uh, who have been involved, um, like I said, it, the cost differential is quite substantial between playing just that lower-level recreational uh, soccer to when you start getting into that competitive uh, club style of, of soccer, level of soccer. Um, Fees are a lot higher. Just the registration fees can be, depending on the program you want to get into or are able to get into based on where you live, uh, can be upwards, you know, maybe like in the hundreds of dollars for a season. Uh, once you t tack on all the travel and the cost and your tournament fees and things like this, hotels and meals and all that stuff, uniforms, uh, it, can, it can get pretty pricey. I mean, you're talking probably, you know, upwards of five grand a year probably on the low level. And is that similar to hockey though? Or is it like compared to hockey, it's still like way lower, which kind of like probably will enhance more like soccer players. I think it's a little similar to hockey. Okay. Uh, again, where I think the biggest difference is for the kids who just are able to go or want to play, say what we call house league, which is just, you know, you're, you go to your local rink, you have your allocated teams and you play, you know, a two month, three month season in the winter that's much cheaper than what the competitive will. But at that level, if we're looking comparable to that level of soccer, it's much higher. And then they take into things like having high input into rental fees and paying referees and things like this. And because it is so popular, um, you know, not every kid is able to get there or, you know, they had to put a limit on registrations and things like this. So, and ice time, paying ice time can be a, quite an issue to have to get over right but I, I would say overall that the, the cost of soccer is still lower than what it is to play hockey gotcha and I'm, I'm assuming so obviously with the sport growing uh viewership is growing as well and it, does that bring a lot more uh soccer fans like yourself who've been kind of following the sport a lot longer is yep. that kind of how the idea came about in terms of kind of like being able to get together with other fans there's like hey there's more of us kind of thing yeah, so um, I'll just go on my own experience with this when it came to uh, trying to seek out a supporters club here. So initially, when I first started following uh, Liverpool, I, I, I 
looked around. I was trying to find anything that had to do with Liverpool supporters who were in the area. Um, there were a few little tidbits. I mean, you know, we're talking, like I said, 2009, 2010, uh, on the internet of Liverpool Supporters Club, where they would meet. They met at this one pub called the Georgetown. It was an English pub. So, okay, I'm going to go ahead and check this out. Um, wasn't really much of a, a supporters club feel. It, it was more than anything just like a group of five or six people that would get there and would watch the matches together. Um, not a big crowd until you start, until you got to the big matches where it was, you know, Liverpool and Banu, Liverpool and Everton, things like this that you'd start seeing more of the crowd out. As a few years passed, I, I kind of got away from that uh, going to the pub and I would just at home watch the match at home. And then probably 2017, 2018, I decided to do another look uh, to check and see what was available. And there was a website called Meetups. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Yes, yes. But it's, yeah, it, well, essentially, you know, it's a, it's a website directed for promoting different social groups. So I, I happened to find one on there for Liverpool fans. And this was started by a... Um, uh, Liverpoolian, uh, his name is Stephen Chan, uh, moved to Canada because he met a girl from Ottawa, uh, was coming over to get married and whatnot, and really missed seeing his Reds with other Liverpool fans. And he started this meetup group, so reached out to him, and then it kind of became, you know, two, became four, became eight, became 16, and it started growing uh, to the point that we started putting our, our energy really behind promoting uh, this as a supporters club, unofficial. Uh, so with a, a Facebook page and then, you know, uh, moving and evolving into more social media, Twitter, you know, we now have an Instagram, uh, to the point that one of our, I will say, members and one of the guys that part of the club uh, worked at this one pub downtown. It's the Heart and Crown. It's uh, located in the Bywood Market. And um, he was a huge Liverpool fan. And with him kind of working the scenes, we'd be able to have that as our official unofficial pub um so popularity was was out there uh, the interest was out there popularity increased uh we had to move from essentially the smaller viewing area into the larger viewing area um just because of the amount of people and there were so many people that were like wow we didn't know this was here you know they they came in from everywhere we looked hey we saw this or oh, we didn't hear we just walking by the pub and we saw people with liverpool shirts on oh what goes on here so yeah, in that aspect, it's been exciting that we've now seen this, this interest and be able to come together more often and view it as a group as opposed to just, you know, sticking at home and having your eggs and Benny or whatever. And so what inspired you guys to say, you know what, it's time to get working on becoming official? Well, I, I, it was a matter of interest, really. And uh, I think just to start evolving, and that was a ne the next natural step, was to become an OLSC. And, uh, you know, reached, reached out to the club. We got the list of requirements and things like this. There was a, another uh, a lady who was who also a member of the club, uh, Pat Burke, her name is. Uh, they lived uh, closer to southern Ontario, and they were part of the OLSC in Durham region. And uh, so she was able to bring back some experiences of working with them and, and things that we'd have to go about doing. And, um, yeah, it just seemed like that next natural progressive step is to try and get certified as an OLSC and then to focus and to work towards that. And in doing that, though, we, we said, like, we really need to be able to make this thing consistent 
uh, make it a place that people want to be a part of, and to come in and watch the matches together when they could, and to form that, you know, that tight-knit family, I guess you want to say, that Liverpool supporters are are known for, you know, and, and to be together as one. And so in taking that next step, what is the biggest challenge? I mean, sounds like the location you guys are pretty much set with. Is it just like a matter of like trying to like increasing the numbers to get there? Uh, the numbers are there. Uh, this is something that we've talked about and trying to figure ways to do it. It's just to make it a little more consistency when it comes to numbers, uh, having people out because the pub itself looks at it. Yeah, I mean – you know, they are, they're an, an Irish pub. They, they show a lot of soccer, a lot of footy there. Uh, I think ultimately in their mind, they're also a business. So if we are there and we've been allocated this larger room with only 10 people in there, well, it doesn't really suit their business model. They want to be sure that they're, they're making money. And we want, would like to have people out as much as possible, and not just for the big matches, the derbies and whatnot, but, you know, it can be, I don't know, Liverpool and Burnley or whoever, you know, that we, and we want it to be more than just getting there and just watching the match and take and leaving after we want to make sure that it's, it's a broader experience and that, you know, if a family comes and it's only one or two members of Liverpool fans, but the others can come there as well and enjoy themselves. So I, I think the biggest thing for us to look at is to find a way to make sure that it's appealing and attractive to get these people out on a more regular basis. From there, we need them to be able to uh, be willing to, to, to buy in and to become a member and to participate and taking a role within the club, whether that is for promotions or social media or as treasurer or whatever the roles are required. So I, our whole goal with this past season obviously he's kind of gone off the tracks with uh, the restrictions and the COVID and stuff was to really work towards that and get everybody's buy-in. So then by the deadline in June or July, whatever it is, we could present our application to the club and hopefully be granted OLSC. That's really kind of been thrown off the rails. So right now we're trying to shift our focus to be able to put it in for next year. And so in terms of, obviously, you guys have like the Facebook group and stuff like that. I mean, anything else you guys do in the city, et cetera, to be able to kind of like grow the fan base? Or is it mostly have been like more like word of mouth, like you were saying in terms of like, hey, what's going on here and numbers slowly increasing? Yeah, it has been primarily that. Um, trying to encourage people to, um, you know, let their, let their friends know, uh, to put out the events on Facebook. Uh, we've got the Twitter account now, the Instagram account, and not just within, and not limiting ourselves to just being associated with um, other Reds or other, you know, other fans or supporters within the city, but to getting out and following and connecting with uh, the youth leagues and the youth programs and hoping to build our fan base that way as well, right? Trying to make this more of a community thing as opposed to just to the 40, 50 people who just want to go and, and watch Liverpool matches. It's, it's not really where we, we had hoped we would be, uh, but, but we're getting there. And uh, lessons learned, of course, are always good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole, I mean, this year, 
this fight, I mean, initially I was in the beginning of the season. It's probably a big boost in terms of like the way the team is going and the momentum, everything like yes. that. But obviously with the virus and everything like that, kind of like changing how we go about things, uh, I'm sure like affected it. But I mean, do you find that as a fan who you, who's been there kind of like along the, the bad part of the ride as well and not a good part, do you see a huge increase in like, you know, being a supporter of like being a red alone or is it more just the sport itself booming and obviously along with that a successful team like the Reds gain more fans? There, there's definitely both. Uh, there's definitely an increased, at least outward increase in interest in the city from, from what I'm, I'm seeing. Um, so I, I know within like we just, up until just recently we had both, we had a NASL franchise with the Ottawa Fury who then moved to the USL. Uh, recently, that franchise was, I, I won't say revoked, uh, but I'm not sure if you're aware or not. So last year was the first season for the Canadian Premier League. Uh, CONCACAF, Canada Soccer had all agreed that because this was considered a tier one league within Canada, that any Canadian teams, there were exemptions for the MLS franchises, obviously, were required to play in the CPL as opposed to the USL and ASL. Uh, Ottawa had an exemption for last season to remain in the USL because it was so late coming, coming about. Um, so they played there, but now that's been changed. They're now a franchise within the CPL under new ownership of Atletico Madrid uh, to be known as Atletico Ottawa. So just a few years that the Fury were, were there, uh, I've talked to friends of myself who – weren't really, you know, they said, you know, don't really watch soccer. It's nice. It's good, whatever. But they went and took some of the matches live and really loved the atmosphere and then became footy fans as, as they went. So that piece has really increased. From a Liverpool's perspective, the energy is so high. Uh, more people, you see more uh, Liverpool shirts on the go, scarves, toques, hats, whatever it is. Uh, talking with your friends who are Liverpool fans, there is that level of excitement because of the last few years we've had success, the Champions League win last year, things like this, you know, the, the big lead, you know, and we're, we're going to win the title this year, has really raised that excitement level. So we are hoping to capitalize, we want to capitalize on this, on such a great two years, and now play it up into the coming year and use that as an incentive. So this is it, guys. We're you know we're we're top of the league. We're you know we're we're not going anywhere for a while. We're going to be doing this great for a, you know a long time. So get out, support your team, and then have that family club atmosphere. So we're definitely going to utilize that in hopes to build the supporters club from within. So in terms of like the current members you have now, I mean, what do you? I guess um, what kind of assistance do you guys need in terms of being able to kind of get the word out more? Uh, is yeah. it just simply just like sharing on Facebook or anything else that uh, you feel people can do to increase the numbers? Because like you're saying, I think part of it is creating that atmosphere and people will keep coming to that atmosphere, even if it's just to watch the games in the beginning. And then that's how the Reds are. They'll suck you in before you know what's end up. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what can, you know, like other members of your group and stuff do to kind of like help the cause? Um, it, it is. It's, it's to promote that word. Get that out there. Show that excitement of what it is to be a Liverpool supporter. That, you know, we're not fly-by-nights. We're, we're not bandwagoners. We're not, 
uh, plastic uh, fans, as, as the saying goes. Uh, we're not just a club with a deep uh, pocketbook such as, you know, Man City that can just go out and buy whatever, but are showing up to half-empty stadiums. You know, to promote this idea that, that we're a family. We are a united group, you know, that our motto of you'll never walk alone is not just something pretty to put on a scarf. It's what we believe in. It's what we live. It's what we promote. Uh, I've been trying to get um, some of our members to be involved with other the, the groups that you see on Facebook uh, to come out. Last year, I had the opportunity. I took in CopCon in Vegas. Had a blast. Met so many people from across North America and even into the UK and whatnot that we still keep in touch with like on a regular basis. We have regular Zoom calls now during this with a group of us that met there and it's expanded into people that we didn't meet there, but we've just now met through there and we're all united under this one flag, that liver bird that you'll never walk alone. Just that, ah, uh, just, yeah, it's just that whole lip, uh, that whole Liverpool. I don't know the best way to put it. It's just, it's just there. Like you're, it just, it unites us all. And I really want people to see that and to feel that. So that's one thing that I really want to be able to get them to do is to see that and get that connection with other Liverpool supporters from around the globe and see, Hey, we're all together. And uh, then maybe that'll, you know, garner a little more excitement and really get that push and say, Hey, I, I'm part of something different here. This is not just a soccer club, you know? And I keep saying like, this is a family. And I think that's what makes it kind of cool because, I mean, you're having trouble, you know, putting it into words because it is kind of hard to do that. It's almost like you've got to live it to know it. You've got to be kind of like be a part of it to kind of understand, you know, like the power of it and the feeling of it and like the community feel, the group feel and stuff like that. It's kind of almost got to be a part of it. And I think that's when like the experienced fans uh, kind of come into play, like you're saying, in terms of being able to pass that on. Um, in terms of your like current base right now, uh, is it kind of like a mixed group? Is it mostly newer fans, uh, or is it like a good mix of some experience who can kind of, you know, uh, show the Liverpool way to you know the newer fans that are coming in and kind of like welcome in, welcome them into the culture? Yeah, it's it's definitely a mix. Uh, we've got you know from our youngest to, I would say youngest is probably that, that's come out on regular basis, part of a family, like in their early teens and whatnot, up up to people in their you know late seventies and, and whatnot. Uh, people we have uh, you know some a few expats, Liverpool expats that are part of the club that come out. People from the UK, uh, people who've been diehard Liverpool fans since, you know, geez, like who remember Shankly be, you know, on the bench and Paisley and these guys that, you know, really saw when they, they took that turn, you know, and became like a world-class club. So to have that there and then there are other people who are maybe second, third generation Liverpool fans that are also there. Uh, or people from all over the world. Like, we are such a very diverse club as it stands right now, like, from ethnic groups to gender to creeds to, like, everything. But it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's really, but, yeah, it's, we had the people there that, that passed down the stories and passed down that excitement and, and whatnot. And I just think we just need more, just need more people coming in and seeing that. We really need to promote that uh, diversity and uh, some of the old stories and, and the things that people have done and who they've talked to and who they've met. And whether that's 
posting pictures or telling stories or putting posts on Facebook, social media, or maybe having interviews with people or getting their names out on podcasts or connecting with the other groups. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to take, but we're willing to, to try everything, right? We really want to see this through and we ultimately come next year. We want to be at OLSC Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, like I say, based on what I've talked with you and I've kind of like seen your guys Facebook group, it does sound like, you know, everything is the table is set. Just going to get some, uh, get the word out so that people yep. can kind of like come in and like share the experience. Sounds like the experience and the environment is already there. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of like getting the word out and uh, we'll definitely do our share. I mean, uh, you, we'll put your guys on the map. I think we maybe uh, have ignored Canada a little bit. So we'll improve on that, put that uh, meeting location on our map on the website and yep. through this podcast uh, and our followers in our group as well. Hopefully we can get the word out and, uh, get you guys official here really soon. Appreciate that. Thanks so much for this, Tim. Really, really appreciate it. I had a great, great time. Oh, thank you for joining us. It's our pleasure. Uh, and like I say, hopefully this time next year, we'll be doing a spotlight show instead. Absolutely. Up the Reds. <laughs> Up the Reds. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.